Uh, we're wrapping up our series today together uh, with a message I've entitled Stronger Together, Moving from Convenience to Covenant. Um, you may have never heard of the story in the Bible about the friendship between David and Jonathan. Uh, no doubt their friendship stands out as one of the greatest friendships of all time. And it's because Jonathan, who was King Saul's son, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the context of today's message here in just a moment, but it, because, it was because Jonathan was King Saul's son and Israel's heir apparent to the throne, so he was the prince of Israel. He befriended David, the shepherd boy, after he had killed the giant Goliath. This is how the friendship began. But before we dive into the depths of their friendship, I want to look at the relational dynamics that framed the context of their covenant. Because I'm here to tell you this morning that it was everything but convenient. And in the midst of difficulty, come on, in the midst of dysfunction of this story, in the midst of death threats, King Saul wanting to kill David, listen, there is a covenant made between Jonathan and David that sees David anointed king, but not only anointed king, he takes the throne and Jonathan's family actually receives their promise later in the story as well. You see, oftentimes it's difficult dynamics and we don't like this, but it's what stimulates growth. It's what develops us for our destiny, and it changes, listen, not only our relationships, but how many know difficult dynamics change us? And God puts people in our lives and friends in our lives to develop, come on, what God has deposited in us. And listen, we have a decision to make. See, God has put a friend in your life maybe to call some things out of you. Maybe to challenge you, maybe to stir you up and get you out of your comfort zone. And if you're not careful, if you don't like, come on, your, your, if you don't like what your friend is saying because they want to see you grow, they want to see you prosper, they want to see you successful, if you're not careful, your good friend will become your foe. And listen, this, 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 is, what God, this is what God wants to deal with in the body of Christ. Here in real life, listen, he wants to take us beyond superficial relationships and he wants us to experience the supernatural favor of God that we receive from one another. Come on, how many of you in the flow? Just three of you are in the flow. But listen, how many you got something to give? You got something to give to somebody. I believe there's some people that got something to give. And again, how many know when you give, come on, it's better to give than to what? But it's just, it's, God, it's the way God moves. It's the way God works when we give, when we sow, when we invest. Come on, how you know God brings all of that back on us? And that's really what Friendship Sunday is really, really all about. You see, we, we're a church, and you guys know this. We're a generous church because of your obedience. We're able to sow into the community. That's what these projects are here. You know, we've sown into local church plants. We're almost completed branches church. We're just a couple thousand shy of 
uh, sowing 10,000 into Branches Church in Humboldt County. We sow constantly. We sow into our community. We sow into different projects. We sow into missionaries. Over 40 missionaries a month are supported by Real Life Church. And then this year, we're believing for these extra projects. But I felt And what we're doing as a staff and as a team, we're taking a step back with our message series. How many know there's some good preachers in the world today? There's some really good speakers out there today. There are some great messages today. How many of you got your favorite preachers out there? Come on. You got them on your top three or top five on your podcast. We all do, right? But one of the things that we have been challenged with as a teaching team, Pastor Damien, Pastor Jesse, and myself, one of the things that we've been really challenged with is, listen, we need more than a good message in 2021. We need more than good speakers in 2021. Listen, we need messages that bring transformation. Actually, message that actually you hear it, and when you apply it, something happens in your life. Something shifts in your life. Something changes in your life. How do you know God just doesn't call us to be hearers? He calls us to be doers. And so we want disciples who do, come on, what God is telling us to do. And this whole series, listen, it would just be a series in our library, on YouTube, how cute, with some cool graphics, if you don't apply it. But if you apply it, I promise you, you will experience some, the depths of friendship, maybe that you haven't experienced your entire life. I don't know. But I believe God is giving something to us. He's releasing something to us. Listen, not to just grow us in our faith, but to grow us in our friendships. He doesn't want us to be foes. He wants us to be friends. Friends. Imagine that. A year after a year like 2020. Friends. Not foes. I don't know where I'm at now. Went on a little tangent right there. What I'm trying to say is often times it's the difficult dynamics that stimulate growth develop us for our destiny and bring the change that we want no it doesn't feel good when we're going through it but listen if we'll see the difficult difficult dynamics as something that's preparing me for my destiny that person that comes into my life that might be difficult to deal with but listen they're pulling something out of me That God wants to develop in me to prepare me for what he has for me. That's how God moves. That's how God invites us into his process. But too often we allow the difficult dynamics to define our relationships instead of refine our relationships. Can I just say this to you? Sometimes the best friendship, the best of friendship is forged in the midst of the most difficult dynamics. I didn't know it today, but my, actually two of my closest best friends are right here in the service today. They had no idea. My friend Kevin and his wife Pixie drove all the way from Tracy. Come on, somebody. I think it's for my preaching, but I'm pretty sure it's for the food trucks, but I'm not sure. I'm not, not sure. I'm not sure. But I've known Kevin since the seventh grade. Can you stand up, brother? I've known Kevin since the seventh grade. And I don't know if you remember, Kevin, but like we didn't hit it off when we first met. You, you know this story. So we were playing basketball. Oh my 
And, and Kevin, Kevin thinks he can play better than me, but, you know, I went up for a layup, you know, clean layup to the hole, and Kevin swatted me and scratched my face. And then tried to justify it. Like, don't come in my house, right? That's how the relationship started. Kevin got saved. I'll let you sit down, man. Kevin got saved our junior year. Our... Kevin got saved. I'll probably be up and down on this stage. Kevin got saved uh, going into our senior year. Uh, we've been friends this long and uh, radically changed. He was watching a televangelist uh, on TV in the living room all by himself eating lunch. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He bowed down there, received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Didn't stop there. He went in his bedroom because the Lord was all over him. He went in his bedroom. He's in this room. He's in his house all by himself. He goes in the room, closes the door. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit all by himself, right? So this guy right here is responsible for revival at our high school. We've seen over 40 of our friends saved at the end of my senior year. He worked on me all year, you guys. And in April of my senior year, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Come on. What I'm saying is if I would have discounted Kevin because he scratched my lip, I wouldn't be standing before you today. Right? Another one of my friends here, uh, a year after I got saved, we went to a, a basketball game, American High School in Fremont, and my buddy Paul here, who was a senior, we went to the same school, addicted to drugs, bound to alcohol. We sat right next to each other the game, and that night led him to Jesus Christ right here. And he's in here today, and uh, he's going through some difficult times, and he's with us. But how many know it's through the difficult dynamics that God develops us for our destiny? You see, sometimes the best of friendship is forged in the midst of the most difficult dynamics. True friendship is not always convenient. Amen? In fact, it can be complicated at times, but that doesn't mean it's not from God. And I believe instead, though, complication can be an invitation for you and I to experience deeper faith and deeper friendships with one another. I want us to look at some of the details and dynamics that surrounded Jonathan and David's relationship. If you've never heard this story, let me just give you some, the main characters. King Saul, who was Jonathan's dad, he was the first king of Israel. He was from the tri tribe of Benjamin. He is the king that uh, Israel asked for. God said, are you sure? Tried to talk him out of it, but he was anointed king, and uh, he was great in appearance, but he lacked integrity. He was also disobedient. Samuel gave him some instructions. He was in a hurry. He didn't wait on God. He was disobedient, and it caused God to lift his hand off his leadership. And from there, long story short, he led in fear and insecurity all the days he was king. Jonathan... His son was his oldest son. He was the firstborn. We know that the firstborn, uh, if you were the firstborn in Bible times, it means that you had all the inheritance rights. And this was true of Jonathan. He held the hereditary right to the throne of Israel. 
and he served as his dad's right-hand man. He was the lieutenant. He was the commander of a thousand men in Saul's army. He was the opposite of his dad, though. He was a man of fine character whose moral integrity was matched by resolution and endurance. He was athletic and brave. In fact, he took his arm, armor bearer and they went and whipped the Philistines on the other side of the valley. He was athletic and brave. And here's an interesting point that I learned about the story that I didn't know before. Jonathan, historians say, was 10 to 28 years older than David. How many of you know we need intergenerational relationships in the church? Come on, I'm 51 years old, so I'm a bridge builder. I'm right in the middle. But how many of you know the younger can benefit from the wisdom of the older? And come on, how many of you know us older, we're getting older now, right? How many of you know the older folk? We can benefit from the energy and the strength and the innovation from a young generation. And so we see this all coming together. Listen, this this multi-generational, intergenerational relationship, covenant made. You see, when you're, be- um, David, let me get to David. I almost forgot David. David was the young son of Jesse. He was from Bethlehem, the house of bread. He was described as a ruddy, uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful young man with a, with a great smile. His teeth must have been straight. David was a shepherd of his father's sheep. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was forgotten and overlooked by his father when Samuel came looking for Israel's next king after Saul disobeyed the instructions from the prophet Samuel. This is what I want us to hear. David was anointed king by Samuel, but it was nearly 15 years between the time he was anointed king and actually became king. Come on, how many know God will use time to develop us? Come on, he'll use the circumstances to develop us. Sometimes we want an overnight experience. Come on, we want, we want the anointing now and we want the appointing now. But sometimes we get the anointing over here and the appointing, we have to walk through years and trials and tribulations. We've got to go through some things in order to get to the things that God has called us to do. During those 15 years, King Saul became very jealous of David's success and wanted him dead. How many of you know when your best friend's dad wants to kill you, that will cause a little tension in your relationship? Everybody say it's complicated. Today, I want us just to see how David and Jonathan's relationship started Because I believe it shows us as a church how to go from convenient relationships here today, gone tomorrow, to covenant friendships. Where you're actually sinking a stake in the ground. Where you're actually putting something in the soil and saying, you know what, I'm here. I'm here to develop something. I'm here to see something grow. I'm here to see my family thrive and prosper and flourish. I'm here to see the promises of God fulfilled in my life and over this house. You see, God wants to deepen our faith through friendships. And God will put people in your life that will prepare you, develop you, and make a way for you. And that's what we see in the story of Jonathan and David. Let's look at 1 Samuel, starting in verse chapter 17, verse 
57 and 58, and then we're going to read 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, he had just killed Goliath. It says Abner. Abner was another commander in Saul's army. He took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. How many of you know that's just a really cool movie moment right there? And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Chapter 18, 1 through 4. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, when David had finished speaking to Saul, I want you to get that. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day. Listen to this. This is how, this, you talk about a first impression. Check this out. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and he gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that you would move us from convenience to covenant. And God, that you would deepen our faith by developing friendships. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, for the friends, Lord, that you put in my life, even as a teenager when I first got saved. Lord, I thank you, God, that even they're here today. And it's a testimony, God, of your goodness towards us. I thank you for my 20s, God, where you deposited people in my life, in my 30s, in every place. God, you've brought me. You've brought people in my life. God, I pray, God, that you would do the same here. God, that this place wouldn't just be a transactional place, but it would be a place where people come together and they experience transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Leads me to my first point this morning. Humility is the needle that knits covenant friendships together. This is what I want you to see. David was a hero. He was at the top of his game. This was his moment. He was in the spotlight. It, it could have been all about him. He had every right to. Israel was paralyzed up on top of the hill. And because of David's heroics, he defeated and slayed the giant. He was a hero, yet his heart was still humble. 1 Samuel 18, 1. Now when he, talking about David, finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. You see, Jonathan is on the outside looking in on this conversation. He's listening to the questions that Saul is asking him, and he's listening to David's responses. David's conversation with Saul after he slayed the giant had impressed and made an impact on Jonathan. We don't know all that he said, but this is what I believe. David didn't make it about him. He made it about his God. You see, the greatest revealer of the heart are the words that come out of our mouth. And something David said got the attention of Jonathan that revealed what kind of friend 
he would be. And this is what I believe. This is the principle that I'm extracting out of this passage today. Listen, the words you and I speak are an invitation to deeper connection. We don't know who's listening. We don't know who's dropping in on our conversations. But how many know if the right person hears, come on, not just what you're saying, but how many know they can hear your heart? They could hear your heartbeat. They could open up an opportunity for you. They could say, you know what? There's something about you that I want in my life. This is the thing that happened. You see, the words we speak either compel others or repel others. You see, I believe if David made it all about himself and he was like, yeah, I killed a a lion and a bear too, no problem. He, He could have bragged. He could have boasted. He could have made it about him, but he didn't. And this is what got Jonathan's attention. You see, the words we speak either compel others or repel others. Let me ask you this. What do people say when you're finished speaking? Do they say, I could talk with that person all day? How many got a friend like that? Or do they say something like, I couldn't wait until she stopped talking? Do they say she was so kind and pleasant or do they say, man, all he talked about was himself. I didn't get a word in edgewise. Abner, the commander of Saul's army, is standing before King Saul with the giant's head in one hand and David's hand raised in the other. And he comes to Saul and he says, King Saul, I've got a special announcement. The new Bantamweight champion of the world, David. You know I practiced that all night, right? I'd like that job, by the way. I know it pays good, you know. David is at the peak of his hero status a lightweight who just took down a heavyweight. He's due his prize. The prize, by the way, Saul offered to uh, whoever slayed the giant would get to marry his daughter and then their family would be tax exempt. No taxes. Imagine that. He's due his prize for taking down the giant and Saul asks the question, whose son are you? And he says, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse. You know, from the house of bread. In other words, he said, Saul, you've got to understand, I'm not a threat to your throne, but I'm not going to allow God's people to be threatened. You see, David's identity was rooted in his humility. He knew who he was. He didn't have to prove who he was because God backed up who he was in his life. David was a hero, but he was still humble. He was a proven warrior, but he was still a worshiper. He was a champion with an understanding that he was chosen to be king, yet he had to serve a king who was not a great leader. Anybody ever serve under somebody that you wish you weren't serving under them? And you say, God, why are you putting, why are you doing this to me? And God says, I'm preparing you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm changing you. I'm dealing with your heart. I, 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 I'm getting you ready for something bigger than you could ever imagine. 
And, and, and this person in your life is the only one that can draw it out of you. It's the only one that can get you mad enough to stop playing around and do what I've called you to do. Saul didn't have the best interests in mind for David. He threw spears at him. He chased him all over the country, made him hide in caves. But yet, out of the difficult dynamics, God gave him a covenant friend in Jonathan. Jonathan is back. He's looking at this conversation. He goes, I love that kid. Remember, he's 10 to 28 years older than him. I love that kid's heart. Did you hear what he said? He wasn't bragging. He wasn't boasting. He didn't say, I'm anointed and appointed. He said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, from the house of bread. In his greatest moment, he said, I'm the son of your servant. I have a needle that I got this morning. I don't want to poke myself. You probably can't see that needle unless the light hit it just right. But that needle, this needle right here is small. It's, if I dropped it, I'd lose it. But humility is like this needle. You can see it. You can't always see it. Sometimes it's invisible. But it's always weaving something beautiful together. You can't see all the things that it's penetrating and the different fabrics it has to go through. But when this need, you can't see it, but when this needle is done, it can bring together a beautiful tapestry. You see, humility, humility, humility is the needle that knits covenant friendships together. My aunt is 85 years old, and she makes these quilts, but Amy and I have this thing that um, she, like, she like collects t-shirts. Anybody collect t-shirts? Or let me say it this way. How many of you have a t-shirt collection and you don't want to get rid of any of those t-shirts? Okay, Amy has this t-shirt collection. She had this t-shirt collection, and, and I, I began to make fun of it a little bit. Amy has worked at, uh, worked at Capital Christian Center for 17 years in the early education center. And every year, they had a t-shirt, right? A baby blue t-shirt. It's a early ed center, Capital Christian. And so for 17 years, she kept these t-shirts. And she'd wear them. So every t if she pulled one out from 10 years ago, I said, you still have that t-shirt? Come on, how do you know you got raggedy, taggedy t-shirts, right? And so, so she, 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 the Lord leads her to, to just saying, I'm done at Capitol. And I said, here's my chance to get rid of those raggedy, taggedy T-shirts. Don't, you don't got to wear them to bed no more. You know what I'm saying. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I said, here is my moment. So I called my aunt. My aunt said, okay, you go buy the, you go buy the material and I'll, and I'll sew them together. And my aunt, 85, she takes these T-shirts. Come on. She takes these T-shirts and she puts together, come on, takes these raggedy, taggedy T-shirts and puts them all together in a quilt. Can I just say, this is what God is doing and desiring to do 
at Real Life life T-shirts, yeah. (laughs) Got my Real Life T-shirt right here. Come on. This is, (laughs) I think I just started a business just now. But this is what God is wanting to do at real life. Come on, he's wanting to take some raggedy, old taggedy, come on, misfits. Come on, people who don't feel like they belong. People that have been forgotten in the drawer or feel like that they're on the shelf. And how many know God is weaving something beautiful together? You might not, you might not be able to see it, but the Holy Spirit is weaving something beautiful together. It leads me to my second point. Sacrificial love is the price paid for covenant friendship. 1 Samuel 18, 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. One of the most overlooked principles in friendship is this idea of covenant. It's a word that we often refer to as when someone gets married, the marriage covenant or marital covenant. That's really the only time we use the word in our times. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that the Holy Spirit dropped that phrase in my heart in worship that he was desiring to move real life from convenient relationships to covenant friendships. Why is that? It's because I believe the body of Christ has become transient. We are here only for a short time, impermanent. We're not staying long. So, pastor, don't count on me. And we don't understand that this transient mindset or lifestyle that is trending in the church, because I, I, I can tell you, I, I've only been saved just a little less than 30 years, but I can tell you this transient trend has unfolded in the last 30 years. And I'm telling you, it is not a good thing. And we don't understand that this transient mindset or lifestyle that is trending in the church comes with detrimental consequences because, listen, Blessings, come on, the blessings of God flow through our covenant relationship with him and our covenant relationship with one another. So listen, you can have a covenant relationship with God. You can believe God for big things. You can be believing God for his promises. But listen, if you're not in covenant with his people, I'm just telling you, God flows through his people. Listen, you can believe If you want to, you can believe God to rain down money, to pay your bills and all that. But I can guarantee you it might come come from somebody that you know that's right in this church. That God puts it on their heart to write you a check to pay for your groceries and to pay for your bills. Why? Because we're in covenant relationship with him. We're, we're, We're making all our needs known to him according to his glory and riches. And he's over here stirring my friend Marcus, putting it on his heart. And he comes to me and he says, hey, are there any families in the church in need? God's put it on my heart to write them a check. No, that's not true. I just used that as an example right there. Mar- you can put your checkbook away, Marcus. But you see how God works? So we're like, I'm in covenant relationship with God. And we, and we go from church to church to church to church to church to church. And we wonder why we're not experiencing any breakthrough in our lives. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I haven't seen God move in a year. It's because you're in a church every other year. Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen any breakthrough. It's because you're starting over every time you go somewhere else. 
Instead of allowing, come on, allowing the friends, the people that God brings in your life to prepare you, to develop you, to refine you. This is what God wants to do. It's, been, it's so different. It's so different. This transient thing that has crept in the church. Convenience says I'll be your friend as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Convenience says I'll be your friend as long as it's on my terms. Convenience says I'll be your friends as long as you don't inconvenience me. But here's the nature of covenants. I believe it's on the screen. It's a solemn agreement or promise. Sometimes confirmed by sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. How many know you got to give up to go up? Confirmed by sacrifice or by sharing in a meal. This is why we did today. This is why we invested. Listen, this is why we sown. It's not just a free lunch. No, today we're sowing a seed in your life. We're sowing a seed. We want you to break bread with one another. Come on, I've seen some of those uh, burrito bowls out there, the chicken cone, uh, the hero, the, the gyro, whatever you want to call it. Come on, breaking some bread, sacrificing, by which two or more parties commit themselves to the rights and responsibilities demanded of their relationship and their agreed course of action and accept the serious consequences, listen to this, of breaking faith. We want to ignore that part. This is what I want to say. Can we make it a spiritual practice to break bread with one another so we can get into some healthy conversations with one another so that we don't break covenant, we don't break faith with one another? How many know if we shared a few meals together, come on, we could go deeper. Come on, if we had each other, if we had one another over each other's house, how many know we could develop something, listen, that might last 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Covenant is a two-way street where the commitment flows both ways. And Jonathan and David's covenant was a mutual agreement in which David and Jonathan were bound to care for the needs and to attend to the interests of each other. It was a treaty as between equals, and this is what I want us to get, yet these two men were not exactly equals. It would cost Jonathan everything he had. He had the title. He was the prince. He was going to be the successor to his father. He had the hereditary rights to the throne. It would cost him everything. And Jonathan reminds us to experience a deeper faith through friendship. You have to give of yourself. Some of us know who Selena Gomez is. And in the summer of 2017, she was shockingly quiet, especially for someone enjoying several top hits on the charts. There were no tours. There was no television, there were no guest spots, there were no radio interviews, and in the fall of 2017, we found out why. Gomez was recovering from a kidney transplant, and Gomez released this 
on her Instagram, and I want to read it to you. She says, I'm very aware some of my fans have noticed that I was laying low for part of the summer and questioning why I wasn't promoting my new music, which I was extremely proud of. So I found out I needed to get a kidney transplant due to my lupus and was recovering. It was what I needed to do for my overall health. And I honestly look to sharing that story with you. Until then, I want to publicly thank my family and incredible team of doctors for everything they have done for me prior to and post-surgery. And finally, there aren't words to describe how I can possibly thank my beautiful friend, Francia Reza. She gave me the ultimate gift and sacrifice by donating her kidney to me. I thought that was so powerful, but this is how the story goes. Selena came home from a doctor's appointment and was devastated, absolutely devastated. They said that she would need a transplant and that she would be on the donor's list. And if you know anything about donating organs, you have to go through, you know, you're on a waiting list and then you've got to find the right match. And Selena is obviously distraught. She's obviously um, just pouring out her heart to Francia, who was her roommate. And as she's sharing this with her roommate, they're both crying and she's trying to comfort Selena. And Francia, just out of her mouth, she says, I'll get tested and I will do it. Now, if you know anything, again, about donating, or you know just finding a match is very, it's not an easy thing. She goes, her roommate goes and gets tested and is a perfect match for Selena. How many know that's a God thing right there? <laughs> Selena, um, Francia, literally has to sign her life away, saying if she dies on the table, it's okay with her and her parents. When they were asked after all of this was over, when Selena and Francia were doing an interview, they were asked, they said, how did, what motivated, they asked Francia, what motivated you to do this? And Selena, what allowed your friend to do this for you? And they said, faith guided us every step of the decisions that had to be made. Come on. Listen, friendship, friendship will deepen your faith and faith will deepen your friendships. You see, I like what Chris Folaton said. He said, you can sacrifice and not love, but you cannot love and not sacrifice. It leads me to my last point. Surrender is the signature that brings success to covenant relationships. Can everybody just lift their hands up like that? Come on. How many know sometimes we just got to do this with our friends? <laughs> when our friends challenge us, come on, you just say, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. Some of you right now, you're in the difficult dynamic. You're in some difficult dynamics. And I just want to prophesy over you today that the Lord is developing you. The Lord hasn't abandoned you. I feel his presence in this room. The Lord wants to encourage you. He's strengthening you. Come on, he's going to reveal to you what he has for you. You can't see it now, but I promise you the Lord sees it. Surrender is the signature 
that brings success to covenant. You see, Jonathan, I love this about Jonathan. He hears David's exchange with Saul. His soul is knit together with him. But Jonathan recognizes his friend as royalty. David was just a shepherd boy. He was just in shepherd clothes. Saul tried to put his armor on. He had to take it off. And yet, even though he was in his shepherd clothing, when Jonathan looked at him, he saw royalty. What do you see when you look at your friends? In the natural, Jonathan had little to gain entering into a covenant with David as Saul's son. Jonathan was next in line to the throne. Let's not forget that. But Jonathan surrendered to God's agenda. And though he had the rights to the throne, he understood that David was anointed for the throne. So get this, Jonathan, instead of fighting David's anointing, he aligned himself with David's anointing. 1 Samuel 4 to 5, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David and his armor and even his word and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As we wrap this up today, I want you to catch this. Here's the key to covenant. We see it in Jonathan's life. Jonathan recognizes the anointing on David's life and he aligns himself with it. He descends from the throne so his friend David could ascend to the throne. Jonathan stripped himself of royalty and David was clothed with kingly Authority. Jonathan disarmed himself of all power and privilege, and David was dressed for battle so that no weapon formed against him could prosper as a king. You see, this is what I want us to hear. Here is the foundation of, co- of covenant. What Jonathan did for David is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. See, Jesus descended so we could ascend together with him in Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 4 to 8. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. How many are glad you're alive together with Christ? And he raised us up together. Will you say together? He raised us up together and he made us sit together. Can you say together? In the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Jesus descended so we could ascend and be seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus gave up his divine privileges so you and I could experience his divine power. Philippians 2.5, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? So we could experience covenant relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and not only have a relationship with Jesus, but come on, Jesus would bring people in our lives, come on, from the family of God, the body of Christ, to bring blessing, come on, to bring covenant blessing into our lives. Greater love, John 15, 13, we quote it a lot. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You see, Jesus is the greatest example of being a covenant friend to us all. And he's the foundation of covenant friendship. And he's the example of going beyond convenient, come on, to something deeper, to something greater, to something that we're all longing for. And that's covenant friends. This morning, you may be in here and you might feel that you are far away from God. Can I just tell you, there is a covenant waiting for you. There is a covenant inviting you to step into friendship with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you just say, Pastor Dean, will you pray for me? I want to get right with God this morning. I've been right. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Come on. Anybody else? You're a friend today. Yes. Yes. Anybody? Yes. Just lift your hand up. I, we're not, I'm not going to bear. Yes. Yes. Hands up all over the room. You say, I want to step into a covenant friendship with Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Thank you. He's extending the invitation for a deeper connection with Jesus Christ today. Will you guys, can we all pray this together with our friends who raised their hands? Can we pray this? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your invitation of friendship. Thank you for the forgiveness that you're extending to me. Thank you for dying for me for laying your life down for me that I could live in the fullness of what you have for me. I receive you today as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, listen, we just want to say, can we just give those that raised their hand and prayed that prayer a big God bless you. Listen, we do have some packets for you. If you made that decision in your life, we have some packets. I've decided packets in the back. Please grab one on your way out. But can we all stand together? And I want to give us an opportunity to respond. Our ministry team yes. is coming. Yes, we have food trucks. And I'm yeah. going to just make a couple more announcements. Yeah. I'm going to have you out here in three minutes. But listen, I just believe this. Listen that you're in the right place, come on, with the right people at the right time. And I believe, if you believe that, that God has somebody to bring in your life. Come on, you might be going through some difficult dynamics, but how many know God wants to bring somebody in your life, a friend in your life to encourage you and to strengthen you in this season? Anybody with me? Yes. Anybody with me except me? All right. Listen. Listen, if you just want to, just by, just a, just a response to him, by lifting of your hand, you said, Lord, I want to go deeper in my faith so that I can experience deeper friendships in my life. Will you just lift your hand as I pray? Father, I just thank you, God, for your people. And I thank you, Father, that there are no accidents, but there's only providence. And God, I pray, God, for divine appointments. Lord, as we break bread today, 
Lord, I pray we break new ground in friendship. We break new ground, God, in our relationships. That today, God, new new people would meet new people. And God, new friendships would begin. Lord, let today be a historic day in the life of our church. God, where we're not breaking faith, but Lord, we're keeping covenant. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise today? Welcome, welcome to RLC.